Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the HP podcast, the show about beautiful men by beautiful men. I think that's what it's about, at least. Beautiful men uh, playing beautiful <laughs> video games. Beautiful men playing be- beautiful video games. Speaking of one of those beautiful men who plays beautiful, beautiful video games, my friend Dave. Dave, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Are you I'm, I'm glad I'm to hear great. that I'm your friend and not just your colleague. That's always, always warms my heart. So, well, I mean, you are my friend, but even if I wasn't, like, it's just polite to say that, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you can take that for what it is, but fair enough. Uh, no, I am, I am, uh, I am pleased to call you my friend. It's funny how now, like, I'm, I was thinking about like 15 years ago, I probably had like some online friends, but like now I'm, I'm really close to people I've only ever met like once or twice and talked to online all the time. Like, I consider, I would consider you like a close friend. I would do anything for you. I feel like you might do anything for me. Uh, we we get together. If I saw you in person, it'd be like nothing, you know, like whatever. We're friends. We talk. But that wasn't like that wasn't always the case. It was it's just weird. I don't know. It's weird in a good way, though. Like I got friends from high school that I spent hundreds of hours with that I don't care if I ever see again. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And knowing what you do for work, you probably have people that you you talk to most more than most of your family members and you maybe haven't even met before in person. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, that is accurate, probably. Yeah. Uh, I also have people like Dustin, who is a real-life friend who lives a quarter mile from me, and I talk to him more online than I do in person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It reminds me of, uh, you you ever watch Parks and Rec, where uh, Ron Swanson's like, I had a great friend, never knew his name. We still never talk sometimes. <laughs> One of the best guys I ever knew. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. Uh, you're probably noticing a lack of ginger in the room. Uh, Brandon is not uh, able to be with us this evening. He is fortunately not dead like Phil is. Um, someday maybe Phil will rise from the dead. But Brandon's out this week. He couldn't make it. Uh, and we decided we're doing the show without you, kid. And actually, no, he told us to go ahead and do the show without him. So uh, we'll probably hopefully see him next week, I think. Um, I can't remember exactly what's going on but um he's not here so screw you if you're asking for him uh in the chat we have the first thing a request for feet um well no one bumped up to the the higher tier immediately for dave to post feet pics so that is not ed Ed has left the chat officially he's left the chat (laughs) 
Big Frankie says, where is Noman Dow? I don't understand. That's in two hours from now, Big Frankie. That's uh, that's Sea of Thieves over on oh, Twitch. Oh, is that a Twitch, Twitch Sea of Thieves thing? That's inside joke? Geography joke? Love to be I part don't of know if today. it's inside. Like, it's public. It's literally on the internet. So is there... It, it, are, are they uh, they are the people that you regularly stream with on Tuesday nights? Those are the guys I play with. Because, and I've said Unless this, I've said this to you before. There is somebody that you stream with that sounds a lot like me. Oh yeah, it's weird. And I, when I come in and watch you stream, I listen to this guy talk, and I'm like, I've heard myself in recordings, and uh, like, am I playing? This is really weird. So yeah. yeah. Am I playing right now? Am I playing this game <laughs> that is being streamed currently? Yeah, exactly. Benji Bop says, my favorite drive home commute podcast. We appreciate that, Benji Bop. Thank you very much. Uh, Ed says, no ginger means 100% more soul in this episode. I cannot confirm if there is 100% more soul because I got a little ginger in my beard. Uh, but there is more soul for sure. Alexandra Alejandro says, Kachow. Kachow back to you, Alejandro. Guys, this is a show about video games. You can support us over on patreon.com slash Phantom. Sign up for there for as little as a dollar a month. We appreciate you. If you're listening on the audio, you can get ad-free early access if you sign up over on Patreon. If you're not listening on audio, if you're here live, we appreciate it. We are live every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, YouTube, Ben is Handsome, etc. Hang out over with us on Discord. We would appreciate that as well. We have a lot of fun in there in the handsome phantom discord you can do that by handsomephantom.com slash discord where people talk about uh feet and not getting video games that they wanted to get and um all the soulless things that happen in the video game world we we have a little discussion about those there and obscure well. rocket league bundles too that's uh that's a thing yeah that's been a thing uh as of late for sure um speaking of which there there is a comment has anyone else picked up the McQueen Rocket League bundle? <laughs> Who hasn't? Might be uh, an easier question. Man, you know what? When I see people play Rocket League, I'm like, man, I should play this again. Because I played it for a little while. Like, I might have 15 hours in the game ever total, like across PC and PS4. But then I'm like, well, but I could do something else instead of that. Um, that sounds better. So is it free to play? Uh, yeah, I think so. I have never played Rocket League. You know what? We should play Rocket League sometime. And it's fun. Whenever, but whenever I see or think about Rocket League, I just think of uh, the Predator Party packs. Believe it or not, the I Predator remember Party. parts of that night. So, yeah. Did you go to more than one of those with us? Yeah. Though? Yeah, I went to okay. two. The last two. Okay. The last two. Um, why do you think? About, I don't know. I don't understand why you think because they were the playing Party it on the. They had like an esports. Oh, they right. had like 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 two or three like professional esports players and they were playing mm -hmm. on screen against regular Joes and the average yeah. Joes actually beat them. And I think it was just yeah. rocket league. They played, but I never thought I, I'd be watching people play rocket league on a big screen in a club like that, like a pack to the right side so. played and we had unlimited drinks. There you go. Yeah. It's funny because uh, rocket league is one of those games where I jump in and I'm like, you know, I think one of the first times I jumped in, I, I played whatever matches. And I was like, I'm just going to see what ranked is like, just to see. And I hopped in and people were like, go back to casual, you, you <laughs> idiot. And I was like, all right. I'll just go in the login screen. And, I went, <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I went back to casual. I went back to whatever, the exhibition matches or whatever. And I was playing and I was equally terrible there. I'm like, well, it doesn't really seem to matter where I'm playing. The sweats are out. Fair enough. Yeah. Sweats are everywhere. Sweats are out. David doing all right? Good. Yeah. 
Met my oh, daughter earlier. That was cool. Oh yeah, I didn't. I met your daughter. That's that was crazy. Uh, she looked confused about where to look at the camera, though. It's funny uh, because you when she need to ingratiate her a little bit more. When she to, sits here with me, I have usually two screens, sometimes three, uh, and she just her eyes light up. I don't know. I don't hold her in front of the screens for long, but you can see like even if she's crying, you must look. <laughs> she's like at the Boom. screen. I have to watch Glad on Twitch. Like that's what I want to bring her up on. But uh, yeah, yeah. Her, her eyes really gravitate towards screens. So. Who's your favorite streamer? Her favorite streamer is Ben is handsome. Um, okay. You can catch him uh, Tuesday nights at nine o'clock on twitch.tv. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. <laughs> I would be careful about that guy. I've heard some things. <laughs> Let's start off talking about red dead Two. One of my favorite things to talk about. Honestly, number one, take, t- I said, number one, then I immediately say two. And I said, red, it's, Take Two Interactive's recent financial update highlighted the enduring success of Red Dead Redemption 2, with the game selling over 57 million units to date. The report also emphasized the franchise triumphs, reaching a total of 81 million units sold worldwide. Red Dead Redemption 2 was recognized as the second best-selling title in the United States over the past five years based on dollar sales, showcasing its ongoing popularity. The financial report drew comparisons with another Take Two Interactive unit, I don't know where unit came from. I, I wrote hit another take two interactive hit Grand Theft Auto five, which sold approximately 5 million copies between the two quarters, contributing to a franchise total of over 410 million sales. Quite the gap there. Two of the largest games ever. Uh, there's like a, a 360 million copies sold gap. It's crazy. Despite concerns about Red Dead Online, uh, it doesn't exist. The game's multiplayer component, the core Red Dead Redemption 2 experience, continues to captivate players worldwide, showcasing its showcasing its lasting impact on the gaming community. Dave, uh, Red Dead 2, one of the greatest games I've ever played in my entire life. Uh, one of the maybe two games that's ever made me cry as an adult man. Why? Why is it so good? It's so carefully crafted. And I, when I was reading this story, I couldn't help but feel like like Rockstar is known for Grand Theft Auto and they always will be, but I can't help but feel like Red Dead Redemption is their, is their passion project. And, and I think there's a lot that they, they kind of experiment with and try out in the Red Dead games that they then take over to Grand Theft Auto. Um, but I don't know. I just get the sense that Rockstar is built around people and developers and artists who just love Westerns and they really wanted to make a Western game. And it's kind of a niche thing. Um, and especially when you compare it to something like an urban open world game like Grand Theft Auto that has such mass appeal, the fact that they keep going back to doing a Western is it's, it's just really cool to me. Um, I think what's impressive about this number is eight, 81 million units for the franchise. I don't know if that includes Red Dead Revolver. It probably doesn't matter. I did go and check in. Uh, Red yeah. Dead's Red Dead Revolver's lifetime sales were just under a million, so it wouldn't really make much of a difference. But eighty-one million units sold across the franchise, so let's call that two entries. That's two games. Um, if you look at the top twenty best-selling franchises of all time, uh, number twenty is one hundred eleven million units. And if you go through twenty through fifteen, the games are PES, which is Pro Evolution Soccer, Star Wars, NBA Two K, Madden, Resident Evil and Zelda. So all of those games are either uh, annual, like amongst the most successful annual uh, releases in the sports games, or, you know, 
massive franchises like Resident Evil or, or Zelda who have dozens of titles. So for Red Dead Redemption to be knocking on the door of the top 20 with only two games in the franchise is pretty crazy to me. So um, yeah, again, really impressive stuff for a niche Western, in my opinion, a niche Western. Uh, and I, I hope they keep going back to the well. And I hope Red Dead Online didn't kind of ruin it for the franchise, but um, I think everyone would love to see a Red Dead Redemption 3. But I'm curious, you said you cried. I assume that was at the end of the game or? The end of the main story. And was it throughout the entire, you know, 50 hours? Not, not throughout the epilogue, <laughs> the, the the game within a game. Yeah. No, but um, that, no, it was just, um, I don't know. I don't. I, I, and when I say cry, I mean, like, I felt, you know, a little sniffly and a tear was in my eye. I wasn't bawling on the floor or anything, although I would be fine admitting it if I was. But no, it's just one of those. The game is amazing otherwise, but just the fact that it was able to build like an emotional connection um, with a character or multiple characters for a, uh, a heartless man like me um, is pretty good. In 2018, so it was only five years ago. So I was I was above 30 at that point old crusty man <laughs> um read that online it's so funny because i heard someone speculating at the time they were like ceasing development on it or whatever stopping to support it they were like this game is most developers who tack on an online version it's their dream like it's still getting enough traffic to make an insane amount of money but the amount of money they could make by putting those developers on gta online instead of on red dead online and spend less resources and and make way more money. It, it was just like doesn't make sense. Now I don't know if that's true. I didn't see the numbers from from Rockstar and what Red Dead's online population was like, but I have to imagine that it was at least good. And I, I know there. I mean, there are still people playing. I think so. I never. I, I tried it out one day because uh, Brandon and, and another friend of ours wanted to check it out, and it was like right when it started. And it just wasn't for me. Like, I just, I've also never been a big uh, GTA Online person. And part of that is because I've resisted it because I know I'll get sucked in. And part of it is just because it wasn't, I just didn't hit at the moment. So, yeah, I I never really gave it much thought other than, other than that one time. Have you ever checked it out? Red Dead Online briefly. And uh, yeah. I th- Brandon hasn't played Red Dead Redemption. Like, he owns it on He's played it. I don't think he's finished, finished it. it. Okay, so I'm going to admit right now on the stream that I've only played about 10 hours of the game. I haven't finished it, but it's one of those games that I've I've always meant on on going back and finishing. And I feel like this this is the kind of game that could kind of produce a pre- like an we could do an entire episode or a series of episodes. I'm just talking about Red Dead Redemption Two based on what I know about it. So people in the chat kind of referencing that, but uh, yeah. Can you can we back up a minute? <laughs> This isn't the first time this is this has come up. I'm aware, yeah, yeah. but it shocks me every time. Like, I don't, I don't know how you can play ten hours of that game and be like, I'm good for now. So I, 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 I seem to recall a lot of people saying like it has a slow start, but once you get past mm, it that, does, yeah. so I think yeah. I just at the time couldn't get past the slow start, and I knew it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. I could see what quality was there, but I, I just, I always meant to go back to it, and it just kind of hasn't happened yet but i'd like to and i'd like to talk about it so yeah <laughs> please keep dave away from the chat <laughs> yeah there's a few a few comments here in uh in chat um about red dead Let, let's look through them here uh i forgot red dead existed <laughs> online until you mentioned it right now it does it just doesn't really 
Uh, Radic wants to know, are you hoping that Rockstar game commits to releasing their games digital only starting with GTA six? Uh, I don't hope that, but if they do, I'm still going to play it. Uh, and honestly, I think I actually own. I think I own GTA five on disc and digital on PlayStation. Four, I own it on disc on PlayStation three and I own it digitally on both steam and Epic. Just because it's been around so long, like it's either been like, oh wow, this is only five dollars right so now. Most or of those lifetime sales are you. At least five. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. A lot. yeah. Um, wait, I said Red Dead. I meant G- yeah, GTA five. Yeah. I think I said GTA five. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh that's a spoiler. I'm not gonna highlight it. Um Yeah, we're not talking spoilers. Sorry, Derek, you said is are we in spoiler mode? We are not in spoiler mode. Uh, we try not to be very spoilery. Um, and Trash says you can tie people up and kidnap them in Red Dead Online. Awesome game. Um, you can do that in real life, too, but I don't recommend it uh, if you would like to keep your livelihood. Dave, you want to kick us into number two here? I got a train coming through. Absolutely, sir. Uh, number two, according to a concept artist, Art Station's profile, Marvel's Wolverine is expected to be released in 2024 while an unannounced title from Ben Studio is slated for 2025. This information aligns with previous statements from industry insider Jeff Grubb, who mentioned that Marvel's Wolverine is aiming for a fall 2024 release, with discussions of a 2025 release also in consideration. Grubb suggested the game might have a hard R rating, indicating a mature rating. Marvel's Wolverine is being developed by Insomniac Games for the PS5 and is set in the same universe as Insomniac's Spider-Man games. Uh, ben, are you a Wolverine fan? I am a... I like the X-Men, and I like Wolverine as part of that, and I'm you know huge comic fan growing up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a Wolverine fan. Uh, whether I'll be a Wolverine game fan or not is yet to be seen. I always cringe a little bit, by the way, here. They're talking about the hard R rating. I'm always like hard. I like when I see hard R, I'm like, Uh-oh. like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is the, I had to uh, read it. Uh-oh. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's actually why I made you read it. There was no train the whole time. It was just uh, it was just away from saying that. But yeah, I'm particularly interested in seeing like it's been a long time. Let's just get into nerdy territory here even more. So it's been a long time since we've seen Wolverine and Spider-Man in the same universe let alone in the game universe, obviously. Um, so that, I mean, other than like Ultimate Alliance, something like that, maybe, but not in anything that's like serious narrative building. So that will be interesting in and of itself to see them in the same universe. I mean, obviously they're somewhat in the same universe since they're part of the same world, but it should be interesting. I'm really curious to see what a Wolverine game looks like. Like I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of verticality but I can imagine a lot of carnage for sure. No pun intended. With Spider-Man, you know, it's a whole, sorry, nerd stuff. Um, Dave, are you a Wolverine fan? You haven't, you know, you just asked me. You haven't revealed it yourself. I have to be. He's Canadian, so I got to, mm. you know. Uh, I do find yeah. X-Men to be, um, as the kids say, mid, generally speaking, especially when compared to the rest of the X-Men. But it's really tough not to like Wolverine. And I'm really curious yeah. to see how he's going to be represented in an insomniac game because, you know, we've seen what they've done with Spider-Man and I actually didn't know before reading the story that, uh, this was actually going to be in the Spider-Man universe. So 
that's pretty cool because, uh, you know, we saw it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And one of the things that I really, really liked with that was when, like, heroes would converge in movies and, you know, the culminating movies. So it's going to be exciting to see Wolverine pop up in a Spider-Man game or them to have their own game or whatever it might be. I do wonder, though, how you would take a an R-rated Wolverine and put it into you know, Spider-Man's world, which is very much PG, I think, especially with Miles Morales, a younger superhero leading the way. So I wonder how that's going to work out. Um, but in any case, I think Sony needs Wolverine in 2024. Um, and the fact that there's, there's rumors that they were considering 2025 kind of has me a little bit concerned that this might be rushed. So, uh, I don't know if I'm missing anything, but Sony in 2024, Final Fantasy seven rebirth, Rise of the Ronin from Ninja Theory uh, and Cat Quest, Pirates of the Caribbean. So, you know, they really need, they've got Cat Quest sort of anchoring them at the bottom there, but I don't oh, know. And only one of those are from first party. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, I don't know, there doesn't seem to be much. So does, does Sony need this? And then kind of building on top of that, like uh, Ben, I'm, I'm really excited to see a return of Ben because I, I love Dave's Gone. And uh, what concerns me though is I am aware that. Um, Sony is pushing hard for a lot of live service games in the, in, in the, in the coming years. And I'm a little worried that Bend is going to be forced into creating a live service game, which is something they don't do. And, you know, we've talked about it before about, you know, companies and developers who make, you know, narrative driven single player games. And we just assume that they can make really good live service games. Is Ben going to be a victim of that? But that's a story for another day, but I it's kind of at a side note that that came in with the story. So, yeah. Benji Bob in chat says insomniac's worth work ethic makes no sense. And he's right. It, they, they've hit constantly uh, this generation for sure. Now we know that they have two teams working, but it's still like a lot of games for even for two teams. And I'm wondering if it will be interesting to see if Wolverine is uh, a spinoff or a, a like a smaller title, kind of like Miles Morales was. I've heard some people speculate that, but you would think in order for that to still make like, even if it's a smaller game, unless it's in one of the environments they've already created, like Spider-Man, for instance, I don't know how they it's still a lot of work to get that out in the amount of time that they've had. I can't really imagine Wolverine hanging out in Manhattan and Queens, but I guess anything's possible, but it'll be interesting to see if they, if they try to tie it more directly in with uh, the Spider-Man series and with miles, or if they actually, if it's its own thing entirely, um, I'm not even just talking about length of the game. I'm talking about scope as well, but um, can you see Wolverine hanging out uh, the Empire State Building. I don't know. Well, actually, that's not even in the game. Uh, <laughs> can you see Wolverine hanging out uh, near Ellis Island? I guess. In Toronto. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That's the thing. Maybe maybe I'm looking at this through the lens of, well, it's coming from Insomniac. They did Spider-Man. It's going to be a big open world game. But it doesn't have to be, right? It could be something right. a little bit more focused. Um, maybe something a little bit more narrative-driven. Maybe God of War-esque. I, I don't know. But I, I think it might be. It's a, a bit too early to assume that it's just going to be an open world game like Spider-Man. And it, it, it doesn't have to be. It really doesn't. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Let's move on. Number three. Wait. We got some, we got some comments here. Uh, oh, the PS5 is an insomniac machine at this point regarding Sony exclusives. It really is. Um, a couple of the other exclusives weren't even theirs when they came out, like uh, Returnal. Uh, I mean, it was technically, it was a third party, whatever. 
you know, they didn't buy until later. Um, Bromance in Toronto. Um, wouldn't it? That would be kind of fun if uh, if Wolverine was in Toronto. I think that was Toronto speak for. Is he in Toronto? He was from yeah, that I, west. I, I know think. that Radix like, the filthy Canadian like you. That's oh, fine. is he? Oh, that's cool. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that he's in. I don't know if he's in in your area, but he's somewhere in the country. I think. Yeah, he knows Toronto speak um, then. Uh, Alex says hashtag not their games question mark. I just meant that they didn't own. Um, what? Who made Returnal? What's the name of the studio? I can't say it. They didn't own that developer when it came out, when the game came out. They bought them after the fact. So why can't I remember their name? That's going to bothering me too. I can't. Who made Returnal? Housemark. Housemark, Thank you, Alex and chat. Appreciate that. There's a reason we're live. It's so that we can cover up our lack of knowledge with uh, fancy editing, right? Uh, it It is still a PlayStation Studios game. Absolutely. I'm not taking that away. I'm just saying that as far as first party games, they really haven't had many other uh, first party games this generation that didn't come directly from Insomniac. And I, I guess technically, I mean, it was the last generation, but the original Spider-Man technically wasn't a PlayStation owned studio um, when it came out. So, all right, moving on. This one kind of makes me sad and really happy at the same time. Number three, IO Interactive, the developer of the Hitman franchise, faced financial difficulties after the 2016 entry, leading to Square Enix's decision to sell the studio. During this challenging period, Hakan Abrak, IO Interactive CEO, revealed that some companies offered only $1 to take over IO Interactive due to its financial struggles. Square Enix's attempt to sell the studio was prompted by a decade of financial losses. Eventually, IO Interactive went independent and has since rebounded to securing the James Bond IP for its upcoming game, Project 007. And they also had, of course, Hitman 3, which was a giant commercial success and an amazing game. Dave, can you imagine if somebody, if Square Enix wanted to get them off the books so badly that they were like, you know what? We won't take a dollar, but we'll take $100. Like, the, the absurdly low amount of money people were offering for this amazing studio and granted, they had some they had some difficulties getting people to play their games before, but they've really turned it around and hopefully they keep that up. Um, they don't screw up James Bond. That'd be terrible. But what a what a crazy turnaround that's been. Yeah, something fucky's going on here, that's for sure. Um I I, I seem to recall Hitman three being fairly well received and I, I went back and checked and and it, it it was, and everything was rosy in 2021. There's, there's a quote I pulled here. Hitman 3 sales have performed above expectations, leading to the highest revenue and profit numbers in IO Interactive's history, respectively 78 million US dollars and 42 million US dollars in sales. Um, so everything was like good in 2021 when Hitman 3 launched. Um, and then they bought the James Bond IP, not the IP, but the, the rights to develop a game. I assume you have to, buy uh into or or enter into some sort of financial agreement with uh the owner of the ip to do something like that um so the fact that a a developer who knows what they're doing in io um who has you know an in development james bond title is being offered you know to to, someone's offering to buy them for a dollar tells me that something screwy is going on here i i suspect they own a lot of debt somewhere um, but it's just, it's odd to me that, that, you know, this somebody out there, especially in the current landscape of people, um, gobbling up like mid tier, uh, developers wouldn't want this developer, but, 
Um, the fact that they've gotten out and they're they're on their own and they're independent and, and they're going forward with the James Bond IP, which again, I mean, how, how do they afford it if if they were in this sort of situation? But I, I could shed a little light on sure. that. Well, first of all, I think maybe I didn't clarify the timing very well. I think that they were not under Square Enix anymore before Hitman Three came out. So they made Hitman Three, or they at least released Hitman Three. Uh, without Square Enix on their back um, or in their pocket or whatever you want to say. And then my assumption is that the Hitman IP came after that. Or I'm sorry, not the Hitman IP. The, the 007 IP came after that. And I think that there are sometimes instances, you know, like G.I. Joe or um, some of the smaller IPs, you can kind of buy them and just make things, you know, if they approve you. But generally with these big IP and something that I would assume is like, you know, uh, Spider-Man with Insomniac, uh, the the licensing company or the developer goes to each other and says, hey, we want to make a game using your IP. We'll give you 20% of the revenue or whatever it is. I doubt, I don't know for sure, but I know licensing in other parts of industry works where it's generally maybe a small upfront fee and then a percentage on the back of it. So my guess is they mostly did it on credit, like uh, a promise of we're going to make a great game and yeah, we'll give you 500,000 up front, but then we'll give you 10% of all our sales or whatever in the future. All these numbers are just speculative. I'm not saying anything definitively, but that would be my guess because it would be way too costly to just straight up buy the IP. And and you have, I know that like, especially anything owned by Disney, uh, which 007 is not, but anything owned by Disney is like pretty scrutinous, even though, you know, we would look at EA and say maybe that wasn't as scrutinous as it should have been at one point, but um, there's definitely like a big IP have a a very large say in who's going to make their games and what the financial arrangement is going to be. Yeah, and I, again, I, I think that that's that's probably where it is 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 they they got themselves into a shitty deal somewhere, and uh, mm-hmm. because of whatever that shitty agreement is, nobody really saw value in owning them as a company, which I think they're going to be yeah. better off for, um, you know, as long as they can yeah. pull off this James Bond game, they, they don't have to answer to anybody except for <laughs> the James Bond rights holders uh, to make a good game and, and give them that share. So we'll see where it goes, but yeah. I think that, um, I think that when there were Hitman one and two came out, they were, I, I know that they were in like chapters and they were released uh, at different points in time. And I think that really hurt them because I know, I mean, I remember when they came out and I was like, oh, this, you know, this is fine, but I'll just wait till they're all together and then buy them at once. And then I never, I mean, I did eventually, but like they definitely didn't get full money out of me for Hitman 1 and 2. And it's telling that 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 wasn't successful for them because Hitman 3 came out as one package and they even bundled in the, like everything else from Hitman 1 and 2 together. Um, right. just to make it easy. And I, I think that worked out for them in the end, but yeah, that, that was oh, an yeah. odd way yeah. of, of rolling out your game. Right. Yeah. Hitman three, it was out for a little while before they announced that I think it was world of assassination or whatever they called it, uh, was coming out. And I remember people like, I, I had only played it like a couple years prior. I definitely didn't play the first two when they came out, but I remember people being like, wow, these are really good games. Why did no one play them? And I think that that model, like people just got tired of the episodic model, especially with people like Telltale pumping out 10 different IP games a year and, you know, putting them out in three or four or five different episode um, numbers and charging you again for each one. And um, yeah, I think that business model just 
did not work for them at all. And yeah, that's probably where they got into some trouble. Uh, Ed says uh, episodic Hitman one probably killed their financial value. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Benji says, do you think IO gets the rights to Daniel Craig's appearance or do they go generic? I thought I read somewhere that they will be using a generic James Bond for this. Okay. That would make sense to me because I'm pretty sure it's, you know, it's public. I know it's public knowledge because I know it or else I don't have any insiders in the movie industry or anything, but um, I don't think Daniel Craig is going to be James Bond going forward. And obviously there are many James Bonds who are actors who are James Bond who are not. So they'll probably go more generic um, in the future as well. And then we got Hitman 2 being published by WB and not episodic was successful. Uh, Yes, I forgot that Hitman 2 wasn't, but it wasn't as successful as Hitman 3 uh, by any means. So. All right. Moving on to number four. This is where this is where the news starts getting really interesting, Dave. Okay. (laughs) Snoop Dogg and his son, Cordell Brodius, are venturing into the gaming industry with the launch of Death Row Games, an extension of Death Row Records. The focus of Death Row Games is to provide a platform for minority creators and artists to develop and publish content for Fortnite using the game's Unreal Editor. Cordell Brodius emphasized the importance of diversity in the gaming ecosystem and expressed a desire to be part of the decision-making process in the industry. Working closely with his father, Snoop Dogg, that just sounds so funny to me. His father, Snoop Dogg. I, I know it's his dad. I get it. But Brodus sees the collaboration as an opportunity to combine their strengths and contribute to the representation of diverse stories in gaming. The initiative aims to empower creators from underserved communities and showcase the cultural narrative in the gaming sector. Dave, put yourself back like 20 years ago and imagine you just read this. It would be impossible to fathom, I think. Like, <laughs> Okay, so there's they're making they're putting this out for games that are part of another game, use or using the engine from another game, and it's a rapper and his son, and yeah, it's just all kind of crazy. But I think it's cool. I think it's cool, especially you know their focus is is working with uh, underserved populations and minority representation, all that kind of stuff. And I also think it's cool that they're using the Unreal Editor in Fortnite, uh, or that's part of Fortnite. Um, but I just wonder how it's going to work. Obviously, if it's got these names, you know, if it's got Snoop and his son's names behind them, it's going to do something. But it's just kind of a crazy collaboration, it seems like. Yeah, I was kind of curious about this. And I, I I did a bit of reading on on Cordell Brodus. And also, I just learned today that Snoop Dogg's last name is Brodus. I, I had no idea. I thought he was just Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and that's how he was born. Um, And I, I was curious to see if his son had any sort of industry experience in in video games or multimedia in general and there doesn't really appear to be any so i think this is a case of of you know cash yeah playing with daddy's money uh which is fine because i mean important initiatives like this start with money uh -hmm. and i agree with you i think um utilizing something uh in the unreal sort of ecosystem is probably a really good starting point just because of the way this industry creates and operates so yeah i think they're 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 off to a good start uh i i assume snoop dogg's son brought or court cordell mm-hmm. cordell is is you know passionate about Fortnite, and that's kind of where this all came from uh, I just hope they have enough people around them to kind of meaningfully guide this in the right direction because money alone, I, I think, is a good start. And this is a great initiative. And, and you know, we need better representation in game development. Um, 
but again, I just hope they surround themselves with, you know, the right people to, to really grow this grassroots program in the, uh, in the right direction. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. should be interesting for sure. And it's, I'll talk about Fortnite in a little bit, but it's really interesting when you log into Fortnite, like there's, it's almost hidden. Like at the top, it's like, you know, play the game. And then underneath it, it's like all these different worlds that I assume creators have made. And someone else would know way more about this than me, but there's like stuff in Fortnite that isn't Fortnite now. And it's kind of crazy to me um, just that the game has like turned into an engine, really. I mean, granted, it's all unreal, but they're using like it's Fortnite. It's so approachable for anyone um, to be able to to make worlds and edit in it that it's kind of just it's turned into something completely different now, which is wild. It's that metaverse uh, epics always going on about, says Edward Walden. Yes, it is indeed. Dave, it's time to talk about the Game Awards nominations. And I didn't really, I didn't write anything up for this, but I thought we could just like take some categories, talk about them, talk about our picks personally, maybe. And then um, also there's been some controversies already as well uh, that we can chat about. So is there a category you want to start with? And we're going to save Game of the Year for a little, for a little while later, but any other categories you want to start um, with? There was one I wanted to shout out and that was um, uh, Indie. Uh, best. There's actually okay. two indie categories. There's one for best debut indie, which I think is an award for a studio that's never released a game before. And then there's one yes. for just best indie. And I just wanted to shout out Dave the Diver and Sea of Stars for being nominated for best indie. Um, there's three other games in that category, uh, and I can't remember what they are. But in any case, I I think uh, you know everybody listening, like go out and play an indie game because. Uh, they're really, really good games, and and those two especially were just two games that I had a great time with this year. So, um, yeah, those are those are two games that I wanted to shout out from the indie category. Do, do have you had a chance to try Sea of Stars yet, Benjamin? Well, no, I have not. But I wanted to. That this is actually one of the specific areas that I wanted to talk about. In that there's a big controversy right now because Dave the Diver is owned by one of the largest Korean. Uh, it is published and developed by one of the largest Korean developers, Nexon. And so, you know, the controversy is that it's not really an indie game. It just looks and plays like an indie game. And what is the definition of an indie game? The, the definition that the Game Awards gives uh, for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. But you have Nexon who publishes like gigantic stuff. Uh, and of course, you know, they've owned MapleStory for a long, long time. Um, but does that matter? Like, we know what we mean when we say Dave the Diver is an indie game. But should it be in the category? Like, it's still a great game. I absolutely loved it. I would encourage everyone to play it. I don't care if you're giving your money to a giant corporation. Um, that isn't really a concern of mine. I think it's I think it's awesome. But is that something we as enthusiasts should really care about? Or does it not matter? Because we know what you mean when you say an indie game. I think so. Um, in the case of Dave the Diver, so again, it, it was it's published by Nexon, but it's developed by an in, not an independent studio, but a small studio. It's small, but their list of credits is gigantic. And the president, I think it was, of Nexon came out and said, and even said, like, well, it looks like an indie game, but it's really not. There was a lot of money and people behind this. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Which I understand. Like, there's a lot of people arguing, like, well, it 
you know, indie is more about how it looks and feels than about if it's actually independent. Because technically, Baldur's Gate is indie, but it doesn't feel indie at all. Like it feels gigantic AAA. Cyberpunk 2077 is an independent game, technically, but is it an indie? And I don't know. Like, yeah. Do we need better definitions or do we need to not care as much? I don't know. I, I, I think we, we should care about that because especially if, if it's being made to look and feel like an indie game, but it's not an indie game, that, that's a little bit sleazy. And, you know, Ben, the, the experience that you and I have had with actual indie creators where it's just like one person or a small group of people who also have mm-hmm. other full-time jobs and are just kind of creating this on the side. Like there are plenty of examples of that. And I, I think that if 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 this is kind of the case, then it I, I think um, honing this category a little bit could could do some good because, I don't know, to me, the, there is something special about an indie game that's created by, you know, a, a yeah. small group of people. So that's a little shitty. Not going to lie. Yeah. Now you wanted to talk a little bit more about Sea of Stars. I've still not played it. It is still on my list. Um, I'm hoping to start chiseling down some of my backlog, which really my backlog is just stuff from this year that I didn't get to play yet. But uh, that is one that I definitely want to want to check out. But the other one that's in the indie category that actually is an independent game. And I think it's also, let me make sure it's also on the debut indie game is dredge. Dredge is one that I heard a lot about. I heard a lot of buzz about it, but I just, I didn't get around to it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't one that made the cut for playing it immediately. Um, but that's, that's another one that I'd really like to check out for sure. Um, and then, of course, everybody's favorite, Pizza Tower. I've played a little bit of Pizza Tower, not a lot. I was bad at it. And I'll get back to it again. But Pizza Tower is like, it's huge. It's got such a huge, like, I guess you could say cult following. But it almost seems this is like the first kind of any kind of mainstream thing I've ever seen about Pizza Tower. It's kind of wild. Um, let's go back to let's talk about best performance. I kind of like these categories because they're more about the person than about the studio, even if it's an indie studio, unless it's a one man studio, it's still a studio. But the best performance, like, yeah, you've got somebody to give you direction. But ultimately, you're just you're, you're playing the part. You're the actor or actress. Um, we've got Yuri Lowenthal uh, for Spider-Man. We've got Neil Nubon for Baldur's Gate 3. We've got M- Melanie Libird. I think that's how you pronounce uh, from Alan Wake 2. Idris Elba from Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. Cameron Monaghan, Monaghan from Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Ben Starr from Final Fantasy 16. Now, I have not played Phantom Liberty um, and I've only played the first Star Wars Jedi game, not not the newest one, but the other ones I can speak to their quality. It's a, it's a fantastic category. I just don't know how you pick like it's so it's so many good choices. This is the this is the category in my opinion where like all the choices are equally good. Right. Right. And that's always the hard one for me to like not that I not that I vote, but to vote on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised to see Cameron Monaghan in there. Um, mm-hmm. I he's just his delivery is always kind of like he he does a good job, but I mean, alongside yeah. some of these other heavy hitters and and really really good performances, it's I was surprised to see him in there. But I guess he's a big name. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Ben Starr, he was from Final yeah. Fantasy 16. He was correct. not the main character, right? He was one of the companions. Uh, no, he was. Um, let me just double check here. He's been in some other stuff too. Um, he was, you know, he played Clive. He did play Clive. Okay. I, I didn't know if he maybe played a companion as yeah, well, yeah. but he played Clive. That is the main character. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good, I'm going to have a hard time seeing anybody other than interest Elba win. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> bias there, but, um, yeah, I kind of hope he wins not because I've played it and experienced it, but because I just want to see him on stage. Hopefully he'll be there. Be on stage. Just he'll he's be so there. Looking. I don't, I mean, he's probably, in, I mean, I assume he's in the, in the States. I don't know. Yeah, Benji. Maybe I'm wrong. Sorry, Benji just corrected me. That is who I was thinking of, Sid. And he was the one I had heard a lot about when the when the yes. game first launched about how good this guy was as a character. So, um, yeah. But yeah. But yeah. I mean, it, the Game Awards has become a pretty big Hollywood ticket that I wouldn't be surprised if he was there, um, Idris Elba. So, but yeah, my money's yeah. on him for best performance. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about best RPG. And this one is interesting for a few different reasons. One, this is Starfield's only category, <laughs> which I think is justified personally, even though I love Starfield. Um, you've got uh, a game like Final Fantasy 16, which a lot of people say isn't an RPG, um, which it is by the very loosest of definitions, but it's, you know, it's not an RPG, a true RPG. You've got Sea of Stars, a actual indie game. Uh, and then you've got Baldur's Gate 3, which is also technically an indie game, but not really. And it is the best RPG ever made. So, and then Lies of P is in there as well, which I haven't finished Lies of P, but I've played enough of to know it's an RPG. But, you know, it doesn't quite have the RPG chops of of uh, Baldur's Gate by any means. This category to me seems like a total sweep. And it's a shame because you have things like, like you have the only possibility for Starfield to win an award. That's not important to me that's, like, I don't think about, I don't like participation trophies, but like, yeah, that does suck for a large population of the audience. And that is a game a lot of people played. And then you have Sea of Stars. And like, it was from all accounts, it's an amazing game, but like probably not going to win over Baldur's Gate 3. It's just a really interesting category because like the last category we just talked about, I could see any of them winning. And this category, I'm like, there's absolutely no chance any game except for Baldur's Gate 3 wins. Yeah. And the inclusion of Sea of Stars, it kind of reminds me of like Stray getting nominated for Game of the Year last year. Yeah, uh, it's not that bad, but it's bad. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I I'm I'm looking at these lists, and it, we really got spoiled this year. Um, and 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 there's just so many good games to play. And and looking through these lists and these categories, it just kind of puts into perspective how many good games came out. But I think Baldur's Gate is going to sweep this year. Uh, I don't think it's yeah. going to win every single, but I, I think it's it's going to be kind of, um, yeah, it's they're going to have multiple awards at the end of this. And I think this, yeah, I agree with you. You're probably right. This is another one where it's just like, how could you pick anything other than Baldur's Gate three from the best RPG yeah. category? So yeah, it, it's really interesting because generally when you see like I, I don't have it pulled up here, but there was a list of like how many of each of each game got nominations for each, you know, whatever categories. And I think it was um, Alan Wake and Baldur's Gate both got eight nominations, eight or nine, whatever it was, they were like tied. And generally when something like that happens, where you have these two gigantic games that get about the same amount of nominations, one will win. And maybe this is rigged. Maybe it's not, I don't know, but one will win everything except for game of the year. And the other one wins that game of the year spot. And so I would not be surprised to see that happen where like, uh, for instance, Alan Wake wins, um, you know, best game direction, best narrative, best audio design, whatever else it's nominated for. And then Baldur's Gate comes in and gets game of the year, which is really the one that actually everybody cares about. Or vice versa, you know, where where one of them gets one and the other one gets the other. So it'll be interesting for sure. Um, 
Alex Dice twice says Jeff about to give like seven awards off screen to Baldur's Gate three. It is a shame to me that they do so many awards and they do this in all award shows. It's not just the game awards, but they do so many awards off screen uh, and not televised. I remember when um, Weird Al won his Grammy. It was like in a two minute speech before the show even started. It was like he's been in the industry like 40 years, had more like top uh, billboard hits than anybody else. And yet. He got like a two minute thing for his first Grammy ever. So uh, trash says, is there not a best shooter category? The indie shooter scene is pumping out some of the most impressive games around. And you're right. And I know you are in the boomer shooters like I am for sure. Um, there is not a best just straight up shooter game action game, best action adventure, um, best multiplayer. Not that all of them are, are uh, shooters, but many shooters tend to fall in that. Um, but no, there's no like best FPS, best anything like that. Um, Benji says it's annoying, especially at the TGAs, speaking of them being off screen because they're showing ads instead of awards. Um, that's all the award shows. They all do that. And I agree. But also uh, that's what pays the bills and gets people to show up and watch them. Yeah. So like I can sympathize, but it does suck. It's like a mini E3 too. the way yeah. we get all the... Uh you know, really like, let's not forget Xbox series X was announced at the game awards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know all those acquisitions I think were announced. Yeah. I, I don't awards. really care much for who wins, but, uh, I, I do like tuning in or even just after the fact, just to see all the cool stuff that was announced for, for, for the upcoming year. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've got a couple different categories here at the top. Uh, and I say top just because they're literally at the top, but also the, probably the last three that will be shown. We've got best narrative, best game direction, and game of the year. For best narrative, uh, we've got five different selections here. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk uh, Phantom Liberty, which is crazy that a DLC is getting so many nods, but I get it at the same time. Final Fantasy 16 and Spider-Man 2. Then for game direction, we've got Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, but Super Mario Brothers Wonder and Tears of the Kingdom. And then for Game of the Year, we've got Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, a remake, a little controversial, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and Tears of the Kingdom. Dave, uh, talk about these in any way you want to. <laughs> sure. Um, it's, again, I'll just go back to the fact that, um, so the, here are four games that came out this year, uh, very, very highly anticipated for a long time. Uh, I think we're pretty well received uh, and none of them are nominated for game of the year. Final fantasy 16 Diablo four star Wars Jedi survivor and Starfield. I guess Starfield had a bit of controversy, but still it's, it's yeah. Bethesda RPG. Um, right. That is insane. Like that, mm -hmm. that is crazy. Like 2023 has to go down in history as one of the best years in gaming um, for a wide variety of gamers. And there's people out there who are still only playing Fortnite and Roblox. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, I you're played Roblox Dave <laughs> all the time. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite game this year, and we talked about it a bit last year or sorry, last week was hi-fi rush. Uh, I'm not upset that it's not in game of the year category. I think hi-fi rush is perfectly well, uh, represented. Uh, it's got a couple of nominations and, uh, I don't care if it wins or not, but, um, let's just remember that this was a shadow dropped Xbox game pass game. Uh, that was an offshoot from tango. um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's perfectly well represented. Um, as far as the Hogwarts legacy snub, um, it is a bit odd to me 
that it's not there. And I don't know if it's as cut and dry as saying that Hogwarts isn't nominated anywhere because of the, you know, overarching Harry Potter uh, controversy. But when I look through these categories, I have a hard time finding a spot for it anywhere. Um, If there was a best open world game category, which there isn't, I don't know if there was one ever. And, uh, you know, I don't think there needs to be. Um, I don't know where I would bump another game to fit in Hogwarts legacy. Like I just, that that's the only way I can logically look at it is, is, is it was such a good year for gaming. And I do think that when you release a game in January, you are at a disadvantage when it comes to the game awards at the end of the day, publishers and developers, they care about sales. They don't care about games, but considering all the shit that kind of surrounded this game at launch, I do think it would have been nice if there was an opportunity for the people who really worked hard on this game for a long time to have some sort of retribution. And unfortunately they're not going to get touch with the game awards, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I, I look through the categories and the nominations and I'm having a hard time finding a spot for Hogwarts legacy anywhere. But um, yeah. yeah. yeah case- I, I do understand what you're saying. I, I completely agree. By the way, I think the best um, open world game, you would probably put it in, if we're if we're as loose as they are with these definitions, you would probably put in best RPG that tend you know these games these these names don't actually tend to mean what they actually are, but technically by the very basics, Hogwarts Legacy is an RPG, even though it's not an RPG. But so that's probably where it would go if it had a. If it I was had even a looking category. at like family game, like the, there's a category for that too, and I don't know if there. There's, there's a, a lot of killing. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of death. fair enough. Fair enough. But even <laughs> even like RPG, like who do you bump out of Baldur's Gate, Final Fantasy, Lies right. of PC of Stars, and Starfield to make room for Hogwarts? Right. right, and and I so I think over in an overarching way, I agree with you for the most part. One, we do have that recency bias thing or the non-recency bias, um, but two, like. I think if people wanted to vote for it, the people who are the nom- nominating committees, um, if they had wanted to vote for it, they it would have gotten into one of these 30-ish categories, right? Like there's 30-some categories here. I'm not saying it should have been on the Game of the Year nominations. I'm not even saying it should have been in Best Game Direction. Hell, even Best Score in Music is probably unlikely because it's a lot of music from the world of Harry Potter. Like the other, you know, it's got some of the same themes and everything, but I think, I think the fact that it's not even in one category, it didn't even get the Starfield pity nod um, is, is probably more of a sign that it is, that it was a snub than that. It didn't belong anywhere. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you, what are, you, are you laughing at here? Games for impact category. <laughs> I, I was thinking about the games for impact category. Yeah, that would be, that would be pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't imagine the family game being a thing because there's so many people dying and being murdered constantly. Um, but yeah, so I definitely think that's a big, I, I think it is a snub, but I don't disagree with you that it is hard to know where, where it would have gotten a nod. Um, but if people wanted to dominate it, it would have found a spot. Uh, they've even created new categories because they wanted to get a certain game in uh, in the past. So then they do that for the Oscars and everything else. So um, as far as game of the year, Dave, 
you got a lot of games to play before the end of the year here to catch up. I do. Yeah. I'm, uh, I always, I I play what I want, not what I feel I need to play. And it's, it's great for me, except when we get to this time of year and I look at the game of the year and I'm like, man, I got a lot to catch up on. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, it was, it was a really good year. Again, Legend of Zelda, you don't even see that much in these categories. And that just, again, goes to show what a great year it was. But it's, it's good to see two Switch titles in game of the year. Um, yeah, that's kind of crazy. So, yep. Yeah. Nintendo once again competing against themselves for like the 19th year in a row. Yeah. Uh, I guess last year they didn't, but yeah. So Legend of Zelda, I played about two thirds of. I haven't finished it. It's one of those now my kids playing it. So who knows if I'll ever get it back. Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I'm probably about the same right now through it. I was just playing a good chunk of it today. I did not play Resident Evil 4 remake, um, but I, by all accounts, it's very good. Marvel Spider-Man 2 finished that up last week. Got the platinum. Baldur's Gate 3. I'm in Act 3. Um, probably another 20 hours to go. Who knows? And then Alan Wake, I literally finished up last night, and I'll talk about that um, as well. And if you, of the games I played, I don't think I would pick Tears of the Kingdom, not because it wasn't phenomenal, but because it wasn't new enough for me. I wouldn't pick Spider-Man, even though I'm a Spider-Man stan, because, again, not new enough for me. Like, it didn't really break any barriers or walls for me. Super Mario Brothers Wonder seems like it doesn't change anything from the formula, but it does like, that's an obvious, that's a very good contender. I don't two is again. I'm going to gush about it, but one of the craziest games I've played in my life and Baldur's gate three, just like flipped the whole genre on its head and totally changed things dramatically. And on top of it, changing or not changing things, all these games are very good. So that's the, that's the crazy part to me, but. Yeah, should be an interesting time. And, um, you know, we've got lots of games that aren't showing up many places in these like Diablo and um, stuff like that that could have been at the top in any other year. Last year. Was it last year? What won last year? Oh, yeah. Last year we had stuff like Stray and some anime game in in the game of the year category. Elden Ring last year? Elden Ring was in there. Yeah, that was the very obvious, in my opinion, clear winner. Yeah. I think the God of War Ragnarok was in there yeah, as well because yeah. uh, it came. I think it was like just at the the cutoff date. So. Yeah, I have to agree with Ed though. And uh, again, haven't played uh, any of these games except Zelda. But just based on listening to the buzz through the entire year, it's got to be Baldur's Gate. That's my bet. Yeah, I think it's got to be Baldur's Gate. But he mentions uh, Alan Wake being Dark Horse, and uh, I could a hundred percent see that. I, I really could. Obviously, I think Baldur's Gate has the wider appeal. Not wider appeal. Uh, that's not the word I was looking for. Has the wider reach. It's definitely been played by more people and will be played by more people. But Alan Wake 2 kind of slipped in there at the last second. And it it might it might surprise us. I don't know. Like I said, though, I think Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake are going to take those all those top awards and going to rotate off who gets all the other ones and who gets Game of the Year. I really do. Uh, speaking of talking about what we've been playing, Dave, what have you been playing? What have we been playing? Uh, I finished the show last week saying that I had just tried out, uh, aliens fire team elite, uh, briefly. Uh, I've had a bit more time with it. Um, probably five hours or so. Um, and I'm enjoying it. It's, it's mindless fun. Um, but it's good. It's, it's three player co-op. I've only been playing with randoms online, which has been just fine. Um, always been able to find a game pretty quickly. Um, it has been kind of buggy for me 
Um, like I, I just had some weird visual glitches and stuff. I had one where the entire geometry and all the textures from the room I was currently in disappeared for about a minute. I could still see the rooms that were like in, off in the distance, but the area that I was in just went completely black. Uh, and I think it was completely fine for my teammates because I could see them all running up to me trying to help me and then everything just flashed to normal. So um, I also had like a lot of connectivity issues, which I assume this is a game that doesn't have a massive population to pull from. So it's probably difficult to pull you into a game with people that are close to you. But um, in any case, it's 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 a fun game. Uh, the music in particular punches way above its weight class. I've seen most of the alien movies and um, you know, I I'm not like an avid aliens fan. I wouldn't say I enjoy the movies, but uh, I don't recall the music. Like, I, I don't know if it's pulled directly from the movies, but I, I don't recall hearing this, but in any case, like some of these like set piece horde moments are just made so much better by like, the music being so much better than it has any business being as good as it is in this game. So that was something I noticed. Um, yeah, otherwise it's 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 a fun shooter. Uh, there's six different classes and they all play and feel really different. Um, and there's a lot of room for kind of leveling up your gear and experimenting with new skills and uh, attaching different buffs to your skills. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to kind of play with. The thing that did kind of concern me is there are only 16 missions in the game um, and you don't always kind of hit the required power level or sorry, recommended power level to move from one mission to the next. So like there, you you sometimes need to go back and play missions. And because there's only 16 of them, I could see it getting repetitive pretty quick, but yeah, in any case, I was enjoying aliens. Uh, I think I'll play a little bit more, probably get through the campaign because again, it isn't that long. Um, And yeah, so that's aliens fire team elite. Nice. Um, the other thing I've been playing, uh, I also mentioned this at the end of the show last week was, um, Metroid dread. So it just came in the mail today. I've only played about an hour and a half or two hours, but I think it's enough for me to kind of start talking about it. Um, I'm loving this game so far. It's exactly what I wanted. It's a 2d Metroidvania. Well, it's Metroid and it's, uh, it's a first party Nintendo title. So the quality is just amazing. It looks great. It sounds great. It feels great. Um, now coming into this game, I was aware of the, the kind of polarizing mechanic that this Metroid game has, um, that, you know, gets a lot of people talking. And I think some, some people were mentioning it last week, uh, at the end of the show, which is the Emmy mechanic. So just to catch anybody up who isn't aware, um, in this game, you have these robots called Emmys. It's an acronym. I don't remember what it stands for, who are patrolling certain areas of the map and basically you 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 can't kill them um you you just have to run away from them and i i understand now why it's kind of a polarizing mechanic because um for me i i i like playing these 2d side scrolling metroidvania games because i really like exploring the map and i like identifying the areas that like i want to come back to later and in the areas where I'm pretty sure there's an upgrade in that room. So, you know, I'm going to be really excited once I get that piece of equipment that opens that door. And with the Emmys running around, I feel like it kind of takes away from that a lot because if an Emmy sees you, you have to like sprint out of the area as fast as possible. 
and you you can get to a safe zone, but as soon as you re-enter that area where the enemy is patrolling, they're on your ass right away, and there's really no other way about it. Um, so I didn't like that at first, but uh, I think the way the game is structured is like, you, yes, you first get to an area that has one of those enemies patrolling, um, but once you progress through that area a little bit further, you unlock a weapon that can actually kill them. So you find that, unlock it, you you chase down the Emmy and you take it out, and then you have full access to that area to kind of go back and unlock everything. So I think that was a nice sort of middle ground was having that opportunity to actually take out that Emmy and explore the area that they were patrolling earlier. So um, that was kind of a relief for me. Um and yeah, I'm 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 really liking Metroid Dread, and I'm I'm looking forward to to playing it more. It's a short game. I suspect I might be finished this time uh, next week, and uh, you know I can talk about it a little bit more then. But yeah, I don't know. First party Nintendo always always satisfies. And uh, again, I still have Mario Wonder coming in the mail. Uh, I guess last it's crazy week, hasn't come yet. Yeah, I guess last week and when when Ubisoft laid off two percent of the Canadian workforce, most of that was Canada Post because it's, <laughs> it hasn't come in the mail yet. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm enjoying my quality time with my Switch. That's for sure. Nice. Yep. And uh, playing actual good games on it too. Yep. Games that were made for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, for me, I've also been enjoying some time with the Switch. Uh, been playing a good bit of Mario Wonder, and I'm really savoring this game. And this is something that I've talked to quite a few people who have done the same thing, including our buddy Dustin, is that every level I'm playing, I'm not moving on until I 100% that level. So that, because I, I didn't do that at first, I played like the first world. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back and get some of these other things I didn't get yet. Because I always think like, I'll do that at the end of the game. And then I don't. And I'm not really a trophy hunter and achievement hunter or anything like that. And it doesn't matter even if I was because there aren't any on Nintendo. So like I'll have the best of intentions and I'll be like, well, I'm done with it. I'm just going to go back to it in a year and then I forget about it eventually. So I've been going back and getting every little thing in every level before I progress to the next one. And so far, there's only one that I have one outstanding thing on that I just cannot do one level out of like, I don't know, 60 levels I've played so far, whatever it is. Um, but I'm really enjoying Mario Wonder still. I'm I'm almost getting to the point where I'm done with it, but um, I just don't want to rush it. Like it's such a good pick it up and play it and put it down when I'm, when I need to move on kind of game that um, I don't know. It's perfect. And it's Mario. And it's, it's interesting because I'm now like, like I said, about two thirds of the way through the game, I think based on the map and I'm still unlocking like new mechanics and new, new uh, little tokens or challenge coins or whatever they're called. Uh, still unlocking new things and still finding new strategies for getting th- and th- like the levels are constantly varying. So it's a it's a really good treat. I'm excited for you to play it, Dave, because I think I think you'll like it. And it really like when I'm playing it, I'm like, wow, I feel like a little kid again. Like I'm better at games now, maybe certain games, but uh, it just makes me feel like I'm in, I'm having that wonder, no pun intended, of like experiencing Mario in 2D form and. It's hard to quantify, I guess. Does you is there somewhere in like the menu or the level select where it actually gives you like a percentage of the level that you've cleared? So if you go into the menu, you can see each level, and you can actually like fast travel to the levels if you want to go back to them. But it shows you like uh, there's usually three coins. Sometimes there's less, but there's three of these like extra coins you have to get in each level. Uh, there's the wonder seeds that you have to get, and then there is. Um, getting the 
the flag, like giving to the top of the flag, giving wonderful on it, which is giving to the top of the flag. And then if you finish all of them, there's like a little blue hue um, that shows up behind them. So basically I know that that it shows you like the outline of the things you haven't gotten and it fills in the things you have gotten. Cool. I like that. The, one of the things I always struggle with, with, um, switch games is I'm not a trophy hunter, but I like collecting trophies. And in a game like this, I want to know like what my overall progress is. So I'm happy to hear yeah. that. I don't think it has anything for overall, but it has it per level. Yeah, I mean, even sure. that. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of fun. Uh, I just, I have to shout out somebody real quick uh, because okay. I've been having Mario FOMO. Uh, like I really want to play this game. Um, and I actually went back and played a little bit of Odyssey this week. Uh, but I found a YouTuber named Nathaniel Bandy. I don't know if anybody's heard from heard of him, but he just does Mario stuff. He did one okay. video where he just played every single 2D Mario from front to back. And he did, it wasn't a speed run, but it was like, he played them quickly. Um, but I'm really enjoying his content, Nathaniel Bandy. Nice. Yeah. Never heard of him. But I'm happy you're having fun. Dude, Mario Odyssey is so good. It is. It's really good. I, I do think I need to disown my eldest son though, um, because when he played it a couple of years ago, he just like was he got to um, what's the the main town in that um, New Donk City? Mm-hmm. He got to New Donk City and he just like kind of ran through. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's <laughs> <laughs> like I was watching him play. Like, so what much are you stuff, doing? You idiot! And he's like, what? I'm like, this is such a cool area. Why are you just trying to leave? And he's like, I don't know, I'm trying to beat the level. I'm like. You know, you have to stop and savor it. I, okay, like, so I have to admit something. I always found the new Donk City thing aesthetic kind of odd and weird because you have all these like normal human beings and then you have Mario. Like, is Mario an alien or something? Like, what is he? Like, he looks so much Technically, he is. Than everybody because else. he goes into the pipe to go to the Mushroom Kingdom. And- yeah, it's just, and nobody seems to be bothered by the fact that there's this tiny little man jumping 12 feet in the air and they're all just playing instruments and stuff. And it was just like this really weird sort of thing to me. Yeah. I didn't like, they do seem to be bothered because they like, they like look at him and gasp whenever he gets too close to some of them, not all of them. I'm just saying, maybe I don't, I don't blame your son for, for speed running through new dog city because it's, it's kind of weak. Yeah. And he was telling somebody it's not anymore. I don't think, but his favorite thing at that time, you know, he was saying was Mario. And I was like, you're not a real Mario fan. I'm gatekeeping you from Mario. Sorry. I also hopped in to Fortnite OG uh, with uh, with Brandon the other night. And we talked about it a little bit on the show last week. And I was like, you know, I'm just not really interested in Fortnite. And then um, he wanted to play. And I was like, OK, I'll hop in with you. Let's play. And man, just you're still in Unreal 5. You're still... Uh, the the new abilities, you know, the ability to slide the the zip lines, all that kind of stuff's in the game that wasn't there at launch. Um, but you basically it goes back to the entire old map of the game, the season one map, I think it is, and then which is technically after we started playing, but it's it's the first season map and all the old guns and there are some new things too, like the spider spider web grip and I don't know some other stuff that I don't know the name of because I'm an old man, but nothing like it, it still feel it still feels like Fortnite. It just is way more simple and it has a lot of nostalgia to it for sure. Um, so I'm enjoying that. I've only played a couple nights and a couple hours overall. So um, nothing like 
super crazy that I'm going to probably sink a ton of time into, but I could definitely see myself playing a little more of this. And I'm actually competing. Uh, the last time I jumped into Fortnite, I was getting placed in queues that were way over my head. And I don't care if I'm playing against bots now. I'm having fun and I'm actually getting like double digit kills. So that's been fun. Because Fortnite for me is a game that I need to destroy children at, <laughs> not a game to just enjoy for the sake of enjoying it. <laughs> okay, now the main event. Alan Wake 2. I think I was just barely starting this last week. I can't remember exactly. But I have not wanted to think about anything else except for Alan Wake. I played the original Alan Wake in 2010. It came out. A buddy of mine got it. I hadn't even heard of it. He played it. He beat it. He told me immediately, you have to play this. So I borrowed it from him. His name was, that buddy's name is Brandon, different Brandon. And I played it and I was like in love with it. But I, I think I played one or two of the DLCs and American Nightmare, which I guess technically is a DLC, but it was a separate pack. And then kind of just forgot about it. I thought this game is fine. It doesn't need anything else. People were asking for a sequel. I was like, it doesn't need anything. I knew that there was some stuff in Quantum Break. I, of course, knew that there was DLC and some tie-ins and control to Alan Wake, the, to, the, to the universe. But I was just never really like that interested in it because I was like, I already have Alan Wake. Like, I already played it. And when they announced Alan Wake 2, I was like, okay, I guess. And then the more and more they showed up, it, I was like, I just don't. Come on, I already I already played Alan Wake. Like it was it was good. It was done. And yeah, there are some dangling threads at the end of Alan Wake, but you know, there I, I felt satisfied with it. And then I started playing this game, and I was like, I could not have possibly been more wrong. Um, everything about Alan Wake Two just scratches like the itch you didn't know you had. It's like when uh, it when you when you have an itch, but you don't realize it and you rub up against like the, the, the part of the door and you scratch your back and you're like, wow, that felt really good. That's what it was like. That's what it's like playing Alan Wake 2. Um, so I finished up the game last night. Uh, and it was really cool because I ended up getting the platinum at the same time I finished the last chapter, which was only because I was being so thorough. Like I'm not normally a, like a super collectibles guy, but I was being really thorough, trying to find everything, get everything, do every puzzle, read every manuscript, solve every case i don't even know what all the trophies were because i was enjoying it so much i just wanted to like be as deep in the world as i could so i had had i had everything by the end there was only one thing i ended up looking up in between so um really enjoyed the game there are moments in it that are just complete batshit crazy it's really tense and scary at points it's super funny at points the mixed reality where you have like live action stuff in with actual video game stuff is just phenomenally done. Um, there are a few little bugs like one. I won't, you know, I won't spoil what it is, but there's one particular fight you're having or encounter that you're having. And there's like some big set pieces and there are two objects you have to inter interface with. And I'm running around this thing for half an hour and I can only find one of them. And I'm like, it's got it. Like there's all these invisible walls around me. There's, it's gotta be here somewhere. And finally I was just like, I'm just going to reload the checkpoint and see what happens. And I reloaded the checkpoint and it was right there in front of me. And it just didn't appear the first time I played through it. It's really the only major glitch or bug that I encountered uh, other than some fidelity stuff that um, th doesn't look great in, in performance mode. Uh, some of the stuff's a little bit shiny, but honestly, that didn't bug me too much because most of the game is dark, and it's really just when you're in in more well lit areas that it's that it affects it. So, man, I just I, I I said on Twitter 
Uh, and of course, Sam Lake liked it. So, you know, I'm basically guys are going the best, best tweeter ever. But um, I said that I don't know if it's the best game of the year. Like, I don't know if I can say that it's better than Baldur's Gate. I haven't totally finished Baldur's Gate, but I think it's my favorite game of the year, even if it doesn't end up being my best, because many other games from different perspectives do things better. But as far as like a whole package and a narrative is so important to me, as far as narrative, Alan Wake 2 just like totally nailed everything that I was looking for. Um I was really close to buying Alan Wake Remastered like a month ago and I didn't pull the trigger, but I'm curious. Can you mostly enjoy Alan Wake 2 without playing the original? As someone who has played Alan Wake, so I have that background, I would say absolutely not. But I'd say that if you ask somebody who played Alan Wake 2 without playing Alan Wake 1, that they may give you a different answer. But from my perspective, no. I think it explains some things pretty well, but there's a lot of stuff. Like there were some people even like, oh, you need to play Max Payne one and two and you need to play the control and the DLC and you need to play Quantum Break. And I'm like, I don't think you need to do all that stuff, but you at least need to play the original game. Right. Did you have PS plus whenever Alan Wake remastered was on there? Wasn't it on there? I I did, but I didn't add it to my thing. Damn, bro. That sucks. Well, why don't you just log into my account and play yeah, it? I don't know. I will. And shout out um, to Platinums that do that, by the way, where you can theoretically get a Platinum without playing through yes. the game again. That's that's just like farting and sneezing at the same time. It's just beautiful when it works out that way. So Yeah. Uh, Benji in chat says, oh, and, and Ed shouts out that it was on PS Plus. So Dave just didn't redeem it, but that happens. Uh, I had that happen one month, like two years ago, and I was like... Then I was wanting to play one of the games that dropped in. I was like, never again. I'll never let that happen again. Uh, Benji says, I never played Alan Wake 1. I watched a 15-minute video, and it was fine. But I'm sure I missed out on some cool connections. You definitely did. It's good to know that you didn't miss them. But I would say that the game feels so much better um, knowing all the backstory. But I'm also the type of person, like, I wanted to know so much more about it that I went and found optional stuff in the game and read manuscripts they didn't need to read and everything else just to get it fleshed out more so i don't know it depends on how lore interested you are but i think dave for you i think a minimum of alan wake one is essential yeah um it's only like a 10 hour game probably i think somewhere in there so yeah i i probably wouldn't play alan wake two before you played alan wake one if i if i were you definitely not if i were you but if i were you That'd be someone different. <laughs> Such a philosopher you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's pretty much it uh, for the show, I think. I think that's all we got. Don't forget to uh, join us over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Handsome Phantom. We appreciate your support there. And you can hang out with us on Discord at HandsomePhantom.com slash Discord as well. Uh, I'll hang out for a few minutes after the show, at least uh, for Dave and I to come up with a title for the show. If you're listening on audio, we appreciate you and we'll see you next week. And if you're in chat right now, we'll hang out for a few minutes and uh, go from there. Thanks. The HP podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Rainick, Christian Snow, Gravelicious, Benji Bop, 
and Johnny Waffles. <laughs>